0: This is on the Matten in the Ring with Coco. I'm your host, Coco. Today is all about money in the bank. So let's see what we can actually talk about from this pay-per-view, guys. I'm just going to start off by being totally honest. This is like one of the worst pay-per-views ever. Like they have had some bad pay-per-views before even with the audience. But this is like got to be one of the worst pay-per-views in history for sure. Like oh my god, this this honestly pay-per-view was garbage. It was trash. Um let's just start at the beginning here. So due to the COVID 19, again, there's no audience, but the pay-per-view was pre recorded. So I think a part of the I think a part of the pay-per-view being so bad is because it was pre recorded. Like even though WrestleMania was pre recorded it still felt like it was live, you know what i mean? Like with this, it was too much uh it seemed too scripted. Like it definitely seemed scripted. Um so i definitely was not happy about that. Um <clears throat> this year's money in the bank. They had it at the headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut. And um you know, <laughs> here's the thing. I really hate saying this to them. They put a lot of effort into this. However, it did not come off. <laughs> they put a lot of effort into this. Um, I, I really think the issue is because they tried so hard that it came off bad, if that makes sense. Um, you know, of course, we appreciate the effort. We appreciate everything they did to make sure it went off without a hitch. But guess what? It went off with a hitch. Okay. So, I don't like the fact that with these per reviews, WrestleMania, you know, um, here we now, Money in the Bank, where they're making it seem like these are history-defining moments. Oh, this is the first time that, like, yeah, these may have been the first times these things were done, but they were only done because you guys were forced into... A situation you guys were forced into, not being able to do what you would normally do, so you had to improvise. So I sincerely don't like the fact that they're making it seem like they just this was the plan. Like it's just it's all coming off very poorly, to be honest. So the tagline, one of the taglines was "Climb the corporate ladder." Too cliche too obvious a freaking third grader would have came up with that so (laughs) whoever came up with that during the marketing meeting they shouldn't have got a bonus because any idiot could have figured that out themselves the other tagline was the risk is worth the reward again at this point a kindergartner could have came up with that crap so it's a no for me so let's start with the pre-show here jeff hardy Versus Cesaro. Of course, Jeff Hardy, you know, one, he came out triumphant. Here's my problem with this, though. Why do you have people with the talents of Jeff Hardy and Cesaro working the pre-show? That's like having Roman Reigns or AJ Styles or Randy Orton work in the pre-show. Like, I get it. Almost everybody has done it at some point. But really, the pre-show, like... I think it's a little disrespectful. I felt like, honestly, and I really hate to say this, but I kind of felt like the fatal four way for the tag titles could have been a pre show match. But we'll get to that in a minute. Um, with the pre show match, Jeff Hardy Cesaro, you know, I really didn't. Ha- I really don't have too much to say for the simple fact that <sighs> Jesus Christ is. It's just. It's kind of sad. You have such tremendous talents and you're using them on the pre show. Um, honestly, I felt like the match was just a match. I wasn't really impressed with anything. I wasn't necessarily disappointed. I was just kind of in the middle. Like, I'm just kind of indifferent about it. Um, it's just. It was. You know how sometimes you're like, oh, something's just there. Like, I just feel like, oh, it's just there. Like, I honestly have no real opinion on the match, to be completely honest. Um, Moving forward, though. So, the New Day kicked off the official Money in the Bank show with the Fatal 4-Way for the tag team titles. Here's what I'm not understanding. Here's what I'm not understanding. For WrestleMania... You had one person from each tag team representing each other, but now you're having all the teams there instead of so sending a representative from each team. I'm a little confused. I understand that some places have listed lifted restrictions and you know, they um they uh you know are saying like, oh, this can be done or that can be done, but Really? Like, why would you send a representative on WrestleMania but this time everybody's involved? Like it just it doesn't really make too much sense. Um, in case you guys weren't aware of who the match was with, it was the New Day who are currently the champions defending against the Forgotten Sons, which is Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake, who was accompanied by Jackson Ryder Riker, I'm sorry. And uh, that was also versus The Miz and John Morrison, as well as the Lucha House Party. So, that was represented by Grand Metalik and, Lindsay Dorado. Um, I'm gonna be so honest, you guys. This is probably gonna be one of the most brutal podcasts ever. And I don't even think we're gonna do the whole 45 minutes, you guys. Because <laughs> this pay-per-view was crap. This had to be one of the worst tag team matches I have ever seen in my life. Um... Honestly, I'm still trying to figure out how the Forgotten Sons got into this match. Like, I'm just not really understanding how they would get a push to get in this type of match at this... Like, you know, at this... (sighs) I just don't understand where they're going with this for them. So, I definitely feel like that was the first thing that kind of threw it off for me. Uh, The second thing was... It just... the chemistry was just not there I mean even for Wrestlemania when they did the triple threat ladder match it was like even though everybody had their one representative it still went pretty well but this like I'm just can you say lost in the sauce on this one definitely a terrible match in my opinion um if I had to give it a grade, I would definitely give this match a d plus definitely be a straight d plus uh it just didn't seem well orchestrated like everything just came off awkward and it just it didn't flow it just didn't flow it didn't feel organic you know so definitely a d plus for the the fade of four way for the tag team champions uh championship match, okay, so here's the one i. I've been dying to talk about for some reason. This impromptu match with Bobby Lashley and R-Truth. It was originally supposed to be MVP in R-Truth. First of all, I was trying to figure out how R-Truth got on the pay-per-view. That was the first thing. Now, the whole him facing MVP, like, yeah, it would have been kind of entertaining, but... Bobby Lashley comes out like as soon as Lashley comes out I already knew where this was going it was so predictable it was like including all the entrances and the talking and even the little one minute and I think it was like maybe a minute and a half or whatever I know it was less than two minute match but even when that this whole thing was like maybe five minutes long like with, like I said, with all the interest and everything, but it was definitely a waste of time for sure. I was over the whole situation. Uh, I definitely, I'm giving that a straight up F a big fat F for failure for fraudulent because the whole thing was just a fail. Um, the SmackDown Women's Championship match so Bailey versus Tamina. This was about a good 11 minute match or so. Um, I would definitely give this match a C for the simple fact that this match could have been so much better. Like, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. But it lacked in some places. Like, honestly, Tamina has been waiting so long for this chance just for it to be flops, in a sense. Like, it was so annoying because Tamina has so much promise. You know, they used her so much when she first came to the company. And I feel like part of the reason why she can never, she never really got a real chance is mainly because she gets injured so much. Like over the last, what is 2020 now? So I'll say over the last six or seven years, which is basically like a little over half of her tenure there because she's been there for about 10 years. So it's about a little over half of your tenure, you've had so many injuries and with her is usually the same thing. It's always her freaking knee. It's always oh the ACL or the meniscus or it's it's always something with her leg. She has a history of leg injuries. And I feel like a part of it also is her image. I feel like if they let her be a little more softer it's okay with being dominant but even with Beth Phoenix I mean, a lot of people would like to, you know, say rude things about Beth Phoenix, like, oh, she looks real masculine or, you know, she doesn't have a voluptuous body is too, you know, muscular. The thing about Beth Phoenix was she's a gorgeous woman. She is beautiful. Yes, she has a very, you know, muscular frame, but she's an athlete. She works hard. She's very disciplined. There's a lot of women that wish they could look like Beth Phoenix. I mean, hell, there's a lot of men that wish their bodies was as great as Beth Phoenix's body. But people forget that she was called the Glamazon for a reason. She was glamorous, but she was kind of big like an Amazon. Amazon women were known to be like bigger, like Wonder Woman was an Amazon. So for me, I feel like Tamina has so much potential But one of the things that, like I said, has held her back so much is the fact that she gets injured so much. And one thing that I learned about this company like years ago, and if you don't realize this about, you know, WWE mainly, that you're really wasting your time even being a fan because you have to understand how the business works. So with WWE, Vince is very particular on how he addresses things and how he pushes people so Vince is not keen to pushing people who are prone like who are injury prone you know a lot of people talk about Dolph Ziggler getting the shirt end of the stick and you know he used to be such a big name but you also have to remember one of the one of the company's main problems with Dolph Ziggler is the fact that he's very injury prone he oversells moves a lot of the times and trust me listen Dolph Ziggler is a tremendous talent and it does suck That he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. And, you know, his talent is to a degree being wasted. But at the same time, it's more of his own fault than anything. Ziggler has the talent. He has the mic skills. He has the freaking look. He has the all. He's the complete package. He can roll with the best of them. Dolph has fought big guys. He's fought small guys. Dolph can make it happen. However, the problem is... Doff tends to oversell moves and gets himself injured. You can't sit here and give yourself a concussion every time you're on freaking live TV or every time you're at a freaking house show because, guess what? That's extra wear and tear on your body that you don't need. Like, people don't understand how much goes into being a sports entertainer. You have to do training. You're trained to know how to hit the mat properly without getting injured. You're trained to be able to take some absorb somebody's move without getting injured. You're able you're you're trained to be able to make certain things look real that are not real. It's all about the training and the timing. Mainly the timing. Cause if you time something wrong and you you can get hurt. You can get legit hurt. It's not like wrestling is 100% fake let's be honest a lot of people were so upset about the shoot that Rhonda did you know saying that you know wrestling is fake and let's be honest to a degree we all know at this point in life that it's fake I mean granted we don't want to ruin it for the kids but at the same time she has a point if you got into 300 real fights in a year you would be freaking dead why do you think boxers only fight about two times a year sometimes one times a year why do you think with MMA, they're only fighting maybe two, anywhere from one to three times a year? Why do you think that is? You have to give your body time to heal. Of course, there are certain things that are full of contact in the ring. And so that's wear and tear. But at the same time, there's so much of it that's fake that to make it look real. So it's not 100% a real fight. If you got into 300 real fights a year, Rhonda is right. You will be freaking dead. You will be dead unless you're just freaking Superman or this weird alien person. that can just take anything. So you have to keep in mind that even though Dolph is this tremendous talent and he can contribute so much, is it really worth? He's a liability. Do you really think they want to go through the trouble of dealing with lawyers and you know, lawsuits. You know, they've got enough of those because he wants to oversell something or because he just wants to and you know to a degree it's nothing wrong with it, but put on a good show. Dolph definitely likes to put on a good show for people, but you can't be willing to always throw your body under the under under the bus for a good show because at the end of the day, guess who's gonna suffer? You are. You know, you're you're gonna suffer. I mean and there's people of course they, they know where are designed enough for, you know, if you don't know, WWE performers are considered independent contractors. So the whole thing is like, yeah, you may have a contract and there's like these health guards put in place, but at the same time, there's certain things they can, you know, they can sue about. You have to be very careful about how you go about things. And if they let somebody go out there who's fully concussed or Somebody they know is not medically clear. Guess what? That's a lawsuit waiting to freaking happen. Why do you think Vince was so mad at the whole situation with Alicia Fox when they let her go out there jump? Because somebody could have really got hurt if not herself, then the person she was working with. Period. So with with Dolph, he's a prime example of somebody who has the talent, has like has the full capability, but gets the short end of the stick. You know, he he gets the short end of the stick. So I feel like in a way Tamina is like the she's like the female Dolph Ziggler to a degree. Like she doesn't oversell any well, let me not say she doesn't. Sometimes I see her oversell certain stuff and I'm just like, okay, that just doesn't even look natural. But at the same time, Tamina is very talented. She's proven herself from her more than one occasion that she can be a force to reckon with. She can put on a good match. But if they use her properly, I feel like it would be more rewarding. But also, again, if she didn't get injured as much, because every time she's injured, she's always gone for like almost a year. She's always gone anywhere from seven to, you know, 10 months. She's always gone for like almost a year. So when you spend most of your time on the shelf, you can't really expect to have much of a career. As bad as it sounds you You can't expect to have much of a career when you spend most of your time on the show. You can't really to a degree expect those opportunities when you're injured and it's like even when the most even the times the good stretches of time where she's not injured, she's not being used properly and that does suck, but at the same time. Like, can can you really blame them for how they feel? You know, again, they have to protect, you know, their company. They have to protect the athletes. Like, it's it's a lot that goes into that. But I definitely feel like Tamina should get another shot. I feel like her getting a push is what she needs, is what the company needs, you know, some fresh perspective. So um, I definitely hope that they can keep a good storyline going with Tamina and hopefully see if she can, you know, come up on something. That'll be nice to see. Um with Bailey. Um I feel I still feel like Bailey's not getting the respect she deserves. Don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Becky Lynch fan. I've been rooting for Becky since NXT. Like, I love Becky. I'm a huge fan of the Four Horsewomen. I've always been more keen to Sasha because I feel like Sasha was always people always said she was good but they never really I feel like to a degree they never really meant it. Like Sasha is one of the greatest and she's not used properly anymore and that's very annoying. Um but Bailey Bailey does not get the recognition she deserves. Like Bailey has been holding it down on SmackDown for a very long time now. She is the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion and Nobody's even blinked an eye to that, and I, I think that's wrong. But I mean, if she continues doing what she's doing, then I mean, no matter what we say, history is always going to be like, Bailey did that. So, regardless of what people say, Bailey is going to go down, is one of the greatest, to be honest. Um, the next match Braun Strowman, who is currently the Universal Champion, versus Bray Wyatt. Not The Fiend, but just Bray Wyatt. Um, to be honest, I was very annoyed about this whole situation. I was annoyed the Brown won because Ramon Reigns had to drop out. And I was very annoyed that the fact that Brown won now Bray is back in line. Like, I'm not really understanding what's going on here. Like, this is just starting to get out of hand. Like I'm pretty much over it. Now the thing that I don't like is the fact that, you know, you know, Triple H and Stephanie events came out like over a year ago and oh it's no more um automatic rematches and this and that. But why does it seem like that only applies to the women? Cause it seems like lately the women have been following the rules like, okay, you lose, you gotta get to the back of the line But with the men lately, it's just like, okay, yeah, you lost. Okay, well, yeah, you get your rematch. Like, how is it that Bray just lost the title to Goldberg? And then, yeah, like, basically Bray is right back in line. Like, I just don't see how that makes sense. So I'm a little annoyed with that. I don't even really want to talk about the match. The match, in all honesty, was trash. Um, It's like they tried to make it entertaining, the only thing that I will honestly say that my opinion was good about it was the whole Bray tricking him into thinking he was, as he say, as Bray says, coming home. Uh, Really, other than that, it was like 11 minutes of my life I can't get back. Um, mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre, who is currently the WWE champion versus the challenger Seth Rollins, the Monday Night Messiah, as they are calling him right now. You know, honestly... I would say this had to be the best match of the night. The only other match that really was worth a watch was the women's uh SmackDown Women's Championship match. But Drew and Seth, I honestly I thought it was gonna suck because everything else I just had a feeling was gonna suck. But Drew and Seth really they really did something here. Um this was about I think twenty minutes or maybe twenty-two minutes somewhere when there was, it was it ran a little bit. But it was a good match. It was good ring work. The chemistry was there. You could... You know, the tension was there. Like, it made me believe. Like, it was really a good match. And I just want to touch on something that Big Show said recently was that... Um, the the fact that there's no audience should help, you know, the the wrestlers. And, you know, to be honest... I 100% agree with that statement. I feel like to a degree by them not having an audience is challenging everybody to be the best version of themselves. At this point, you have nothing to rely on. Now, to a degree, the the audience is a safety net. Because sometimes the only reason why a certain line gets over is because of crowd reaction. Because there's, I mean, let's be honest. You know, you got a script, you're supposed to go out there and say these things. I mean, some people honestly don't really get scripts. And even if they do, they're allowed to improvise. Like, everybody knows that Miz is one of the people that they allow him to really, you know, do most of his own stuff. They don't really require him much to read a script. Like, with him, it's pretty much they let him just say what he wants. And, I mean, I'm not necessarily a Miz fan, but... One thing I will say about Miz, he's has some of the best mic skills in the company. As far as mic skills, he is one of the greatest to ever do it when it comes to getting on that mic. Because Miz will make something totally freaking believable. You will think he hates this person. Like, Miz can work the mic. He definitely makes it believable. I mean, his in-ring capabilities, I'm not too big of a fan of. But, um, again, a whole nother subject. But you know, he he definitely, Miz will definitely make it happen for you. So, the fact that Drew, I feel like his might skills aren't really good. I feel like he could do a lot better with the might skills. Seth, honestly, Seth, it's a hit or miss for me with Seth. Because a lot of the times he'll have really good might skills. And then some, depending on the storyline, sometimes I'm just like, wow, that's, you know, all you got to say, like Seth. But, it's like you have certain people in this business that they don't require the audience there for something to go off good and i feel like in my opinion by the audience being a safety net i feel like it's going to push a lot more of the roster male and female both to dig down a little deeper to come up with something fresh you know to come up with something you know a little outside the box to you know just overall be better in some type of aspect whether it's their my skills or their in-ring capabilities or a little bit of both you just never know but it's gonna force you to put on a better show because you have to make up for something when you have to make up for something something else enhances um and for some people who don't necessarily know what i mean it's it's almost like your senses for people who are blind their other senses take over, you know, they're, they're heightened, you know, usually for blind people, you know, they say that nine times out of 10 is going to be their, their their sense of smell that increases. For some, their sense of hearing increases. For some, it's both. But certain senses increase. And so because you're making for something you're that you're lacking and i feel like it's the same thing because they're lacking an the audience and because the audience feeds a lot of the storylines in a sense like the crowd reaction is everything like a lot of times it could be for example with Drew McIntyre he could have been the villain last week and everybody hated him but you know let's say he comes out says something crowd goes nuts and people looking on tv like oh, okay like you know what well, maybe we like Drew now you know, it's the crowd plays a huge part in how this business goes, and I think a lot of people fail to realize that. So, again, I definitely agree with the big show saying that you know this is going to make a lot of them better. Um, but back to Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins, this was definitely the match of the night, in my opinion. They put so much into this, it was organic, it was believable. And even with me saying all of that, I'm gonna give this match an a minus for the simple fact that there was a few awkward spots. But just like leading up to it, like you know the confrontations and everything leading up to it was like a little odd, a little awkward. But overall, overall though, oh man, this was this was definitely one of the matches. The moment of the match for me was after the fact when Drew won. And him and Rollins weren't able to shake hands. Mad respect. That was good sportsmanship um, on both of their behalves, you know, because self could have just said, no, you know, but I I definitely respect the fact they were able to shake on it because that was definitely a good match. I would love to see them go head-to-head again. Probably not for the title unless Rollins can, you know, earn earn another title shot because it's not like he really earned it he kind of pretty much came on just declared that he wanted to you know fight for the title so I felt like if he earned a shot this time and Drew is still champion I definitely feel like that would be good I really hope that they don't let Brock just come walking back into the picture just doing what the hell he wants to do because I really think that's the main problem with the company not why so many people don't really want to be bothered with WWE anymore because You know, like a few years ago when Roman came out and, you know, he made comments about, you know, he doesn't respect Brock Lesnar. And, you know, he feels like Vince is scared of him. And, you know, Brock doesn't actually work. And, you know, Vince, you know, pretty much said, well, Brock's earned certain privileges. What has Brock earned? Like Brock hasn't earned anything. First time he was with the company back in 2002, around the time The Rock was first leaving He was there for like, what, a year, maybe a year and a half. I think it was only a year, but it was possibly a year and a half. And he left. He was gone for like, what, seven, eight years. And he came back and he was there for, what, a few months, you know, and then left again and then came back. So it's like, what have you really earned? You know, like, yeah, his name puts butts in seats and, you know, makes people want to watch, but he really hasn't earned anything. So I feel like Vince just needs to stop being fake when it comes to certain stuff. And just be honest. Because no offense. like History has proven. That nobody is going to sit there. And go through the trouble. Of saying something they're not supposed to say. If it's not true. CM Punk did a whole pipe bomb. If you guys remember that. Everybody remembers the infamous CM Punk pipe bomb. When he sat down on the stage. And pretty much just went in. It's like. Nobody's going to sit there. And risk you know retribution like that if it's not true and we've seen the behind the scenes footages like we i've seen where i think that was SummerSlam if i'm not mistaken where a couple years ago when uh brock like walks in the back after the match and he threw like as he's walking by Vince like he threw the title at him like across the gorilla basically and just vince didn't even basically almost didn't see it coming like brock threw it so fast and like like literally hit Vince in the freaking face with it it's like Brock is so disrespectful and I really think that Vince is scared of him but that's just my opinion so I really feel like uh Brock shouldn't be able to just walk back into the picture like that um I definitely feel like Drew is well deserving he's put in a lot of work um this time rolling his tenure with WWE I feel like they made him a joke the first time with that whole 3MB thing but this time around I feel like he's being done right uh, and I I hope that if he continues up the good work, he can continue to get chances. Uh, now let's get to the um, <laughs> the real debacle of the evening: the Money in the Bank ladder matches, the female and male. This is the first time in history that Money in the Bank was the Money in the Bank ladder matches were held at the corporate location as well as being on a rooftop. And that they were going simultaneously at the same time. My issue with it is the fact that everything just came off super fake, super rehearsed. Um, again, I sincerely wish that it had been a lot better. Uh, as far as the female match, I really, I really think that this by far had to be one of the worst. Money in the bank matches ever, male and female both. Uh, you know, for the female side, you had Oscar, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Nia Jax, and Shayna Baszler. The fact that the men and women kept running into each other throughout the building, and then at one point everything broke down, and you got the women fighting the men, and you know Shayna, you know had you know Ray Mysterio, like you know in the you know, in the clutch, about to put him asleep in the submission, everything. It's just... Just a situation. So, um... Asuka won the match. I definitely feel like it was well-deserved, especially how they've done Asuka these past couple of years. I don't like the fact that she lost to Charlotte at WrestleMania a couple of years ago because I felt like that was a... I felt like that was, like, a, one of the pre-scheduled matches. Like, Asuka knew she was going to lose. Because no offense, and I'm not trying to take anything away from charlie she she's very talented, but in my mind, there's no way that Charlotte can be Oscar honestly um Oscar has been they've been slowly but surely trying to give her that push like I didn't like the fact that when she did get the women's title, like how she got it, you know, and they kind of made a mockery of her realm, like you know it's kind of short lived and again of course charlotte beat her it was just real janky i didn't like it um so i definitely feel like Oscar winning was definitely the the right outcome in this situation i wish sasha had been in the match but you know whatever i feel like they're doing sasha real ball right now and i'm not happy with it which is one of the main reasons why i haven't been watching you know the weekly shows it's just that oh, too much is going on for me and especially on smackdown a lot of stuff just is not right in my opinion For the men's ladder match, it was AJ Styles, Aleister Black, Otis, Daniel Bryan, uh, Baron Corbin, and Rey Mysterio. I was okay with this setup. The only, honestly, issue I had with it was the fact that Baron Corbin was in this match. And again, I really hate to say this because I don't ever want to feel like somebody's losing their job, like no matter how much I dislike somebody, but... At this point, I don't see how the hell Baron Corbin is even still here. Like, he cannot get over to save his life. Like, people don't really like him. His storylines are always weak as hell. Like, even when they put him in a storyline with somebody that should pop off, like with him and Roman, one of the worst storylines ever. Like, it's just, it never came off authentic. Like, his my skills are terrible. Everybody always talks about Roman not having good might skills. And I feel like that's only because men are jealous of Roman because he's an attractive guy and because he was being pushed so much by Vince. But you got somebody like Baron Corbin who wasn't getting pushed and his might skills are terrible and he still gets pushed. But nobody ever wants to talk about how terrible his might skills are. And his might skills are atrocious. They are terrible. Um, He never makes anything believable. Like, yeah, his ring work is pretty good, but... His character overall just it never has seemed to get over. His mic skills are bad. Like He's definitely not one of the people I would want to see as champion. I I definitely don't see him being a champion at any point. Uh, Otis ended up winning only because (laughs) uh, they were fighting on top of the ladder. Mm -hmm. They were fighting on top of the ladder. And AJ threw the briefcase. And Otis ended up catching it. So, Otis ended up winning the money in the bank for the men. Um, as much as I like Otis, I just want to be completely honest. We know how Vince is. I basically see Otis being a failed cash-in. Um, I wish it wasn't like that, but we all know how Vince operates. Like He wouldn't want somebody like that representing the company, unfortunately. Um, and I really wish the Otis would get a fair shot, because what's the point of him winning if? You're pretty much just going to, you know, make a joke of it. But I definitely feel like this will probably put some more eyes on Otis. Hopefully it works out in, in his advantage. Um, definitely, of uh, as far as when they actually got to fight instead of running through the building, it was cool. But overall, again, trash. Just trash. One of the worst pay-per-views I have ever seen in my life. The only outcomes I was okay with was the women's cider match, the fact that Oscar won, not the match itself, but the fact that Oscar won. I was okay with I was definitely okay with Drew McIntyre retaining because I felt like it was well deserved. Uh other than that, the it was pretty much uh it was annoying. It was annoying. Um I feel like at this point they need to regroup, come up with some fresh ideas. Backlashes next month so hopefully they can find a way to make this more entertaining because honestly Wrestlemania wasn't bad but it was definitely the worst Wrestlemania they've ever had I mean they tried it was it was pretty decent there were some good matches I mean everything was pretty much good though with Wrestlemania they had some really good matches like stuff flowed everything felt organic for the most part but this pay-per-view was definitely a big no so a big F for this pay-per-view, in my opinion. Hopefully, we can see what Backlash is going to look like next month. Um, Hopefully, they can get it together by SummerSlam, because it would be tremendously sad if SummerSlam went down in a ball of fire. Um, Briefly, I just want to talk about, if you guys watched the pay-per-view and, you know, stayed on the network, it was the first part, chapter one of the last ride documentary for The Undertaker amazing this uh, documentary has been in the works for the last three years or so just documenting everything from what so what this was 2017 yeah so 2017's wrestlemania on up to now so that was like what wrestlemania 33 um and you know they um they talk about, you know, how, you know, how much pain he's in and how he felt and how certain matches came about and what he was going to prepare and, you know, all this vaccine stuff. And let me tell you guys, phenomenal. Oh, my God. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see the other parts of this because that first part had me like, what? Like, oh, my God. I'm a huge fan of The Undertaker. You know i grew up during the attitude era and you know my favorite undertaker persona was definitely the american badass um and you know undertaker has always had this this uncanny ability to be able to make you enjoy his matches no matter if they were long or short you know for him to be such a big guy you always was just kind of amazed at how he had this great combination of agility and speed and strength striking ability he's oh man one of definitely one of the greatest of all time if not the greatest of all time man but you guys have to check out that documentary the first part uh aired last night directly after the pay-per-view so check that out you guys again this was on the mat and in the ring with coco and i am signing out